Shalom, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Today, I'll be joined by a special guest, and we will be talking about one of those topics that are taboo or awkward, but yet that needs to be discussed. The topic is regarding lust, and specifically in regards to how we as women struggle in this sin, and it's not just the men. So join us as we have a conversation on this topic. everyone thank you so much for joining us for this video i am happy to introduce my guest krista ensley who also does ministry alongside her husband joshua ensley you can say hey krista hi <laughs> she's super awesome she's recently um, done some series some video series on their ministry page regarding mental health and just how to walk in freedom how to walk in healing and that as a believer in christ as a believer in yeshua and also just raising awareness and having a conversation about it. So go check that out. Definitely encourage you to um, visit that if you get a chance. So Krista, um, she's been a great friend and I just love her heart for the father, her humility, her authenticity. Now this topic of lust, you know, we've heard this subject addressed probably many times before in sermons, messages, books, but oftentimes this subject is directed towards men. And, you know, there is a need and there's a reality there. But what's often overlooked or missed is that there's a reality and a need as well for this topic to be addressed in regards to women because we also struggle in this area in regards to this sin. So today I would like to pose a question. And the question is this. Do we have different standards on how we hold men and women accountable? By and large, I have seen, I think we have both have seen a silence by the church, maybe unconsciously, over this topic, which has affected the dignity, the intimacy, and the community of many believing women. And so we're the Christian culture has perhaps failed by not speaking to this topic and encouraging its women in this topic. Secular culture is happy to fill the gap. A recent statistic by the ERLC, or the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, states, 13 million American women click on pornographic sites each month. Porn sites get more visitors per month than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. The online porn industry makes over 3,000 per second. And according to the statistic, one-third of women watch pornography at least once a week. When we don't address this topic in our churches and encourage our women and help them in struggles that they also face, we open the door 
even unintentionally, for again, secular culture to provide the answers to our young girls, to our daughters. And it creeps into the home, unbeknownst to us even. We don't see it, but it's there. So the other day while scrolling through Facebook, I came across a post from a very popular uh, Christian biblical TV series that both my husband and I have enjoyed watching. So I read through some of the comments and the post was about one of the actors in the movie. But as I read through some of the comments, I was shocked and disturbed by what some people were saying about this actor that the post was about. Some comments went like this. I call him Hot Peter, so I vote to keep it, lol. I also laugh and feel weird thinking Peter is so good looking. He's supposed to be a holy Bible character, not a good-looking real man. My husband rolls his eyes at me, and my teen boys laugh at how Peter always crosses his arms and pushes out his biceps. Someone else commented, It's a wonderful show and I love it, but can we just admit that the man is hot? and can still be a righteous Christian. And then, last comment I'm gonna read because there's too many. Yep, he sure is a hottie, and his legs, oh my gosh. With a response, no, we are not lusting, we're admiring the handiwork of God. With someone else replying, amen. I can totally relate to where those women are at because I too have done this sort of thing before. Um, about four years ago when my husband and I were first married, I remember making a comment about a specific TV character or somebody. And um, I don't even remember what the comment was, but I remember my husband being furious because of the way that I was talking about this man. And to me, it was kind of the mindset of, well, oh, he's famous, so it doesn't really count because I'll never see him. I'll never get the chance to interact with him. And so that somehow made it okay. And I remember it causing like such a riff in my marriage. And I, and I really didn't understand why until, you know, I actually realized what God has intended for a marriage to be and the difference between lust versus love and the reality that sometimes women lust too. And I think it really struck a chord with me because we, we tend to see the world and just people in general focusing so hard on men and men not lusting and men being the ones who are so visual and men being the ones who are going to stumble in this area. But for me, I grew up believing and being taught that celebrity passes were okay. Everybody, Christian and non-Christian alike, all the people that were in my life, everybody had a celebrity pass. And it was the one person that they were allowed to you know, do whatever with if they ever got to meet them, regardless of if they were married or not. And so when I got married, I didn't realize that that wasn't a thing that everybody did. 
I, I had no idea that my husband felt so strongly, you know, about something that I was just kind of doing as a joke, like, oh, my celebrity pass, you know? Um, and so it really, it really saddened me. Like it disheartened me so much because if I grew up thinking that, and I didn't grow up in church, um, but you know, I've been a Christian for a while now. And if I, I had never been specifically told, you know, what lust looks like as a woman or for a woman, and it's not just the men who lust and how to keep your marriage set apart, um, then you know what, there, there, there has to be, you know, millions of other girls, especially Christian women who are struggling in the same area who might not even realize what they're doing or what lust is because they've never been taught. And so um, I'm going to read this quick verse in Hebrews. It's Hebrews 13, 4. Um, and it says, let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. And that just speaks, you know, volumes to me about the value that God has on our marriages and how our marriages are to be set apart. And so for me as a as a married woman, when I made that comment the first year of my marriage, I now can look back and see, oh, that was really damaging, you know, because I was talking about another man who wasn't my husband. I was talking about a man who, you know, I'm never going to see, but, you know, wasn't the person who was providing for me, protecting me, had, you know, made a house with me and all these things. And so the question is, that keeps ringing in my mind is how can we look like Christ if we are acting like the world? And that goes in our marriages and for ourselves too. Cause you know, for example, if I wasn't married, if I was single and I was making those kinds of comments to, just to myself, you know, nobody else around, I'm not keeping myself set apart. I'm, I'm not, you know, saving myself for marriage. I'm not looking forward to the one day of being one flesh with somebody. Um, and making those kinds of comments is a type of lust and it is dangerous. And I think women tend to not, women tend to think that they can't lust or that they don't lust because men are the ones who lust. Men have that struggle. Women don't have them. Women can comment on a man's body and it not be lust somehow. And I don't, and I don't really know how we've gotten to that point, how we've gotten so caught up in that lie. Right. And that's so true. Like, as you were mentioning as someone who is married, like I am as well, if I were to make comments like this about a celebrity or an actor, that would breed distrust in a marriage. Whether you think it would or you think it shouldn't, it does. Just like if your husband were to be commenting and remarking about some actress's hot body or anything like some of the comments I read, if you switch the tables, what does that do Does to you and in the long term for your marriage, but even apart from your relationship with your spouse, what does that model to your children? What do they see? They see mom, you know, kind of ogling some young guy's legs in the comments as we saw. And if mom can do that, well, 
they can as well. And we all know that when you open a gateway, right, a doorway, it always gets worse. If you're Mm -hmm. allowed to kind of look someone up and down and admire their physical form in that way, your children will take it a step further. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this video, there is an epidemic of, we already know, whether it be rom-com, soap operas that border onto soft porn to full-on pornography addiction in women. And I think it's because we've sort of, even like Krista just mentioned a moment ago, dismiss the idea that, ah, well, you know, it's the guys who struggle with lust. We, you know, we're just, we just admire God's handiwork. That's what we do as women. And you're breeding comparison issues too, because now if your husband sees that comment, well, he's going to automatically compare himself to the person you're ogling over. Like, I don't have those legs or I don't have his, you know, big muscles or whatever. And the same thing for men, men, if you make that comment about the other woman on TV or on the poster or, you know, on the billboard, well, then your wife automatically thinks I don't look like that. And he likes that. So what does that mean about me? You know, what is lust? What is the difference between lust and love? You know, the the comment that we saw on the on the chosen, the comment thread, I'm not lusting, I'm just admiring God's handiwork. Those kind of comments. Um, I would like to point out what scripture actually says about lust, um, so we can know what we're working with and know exactly how God feels about lust. Um, so I'm going to read First Colossians 3.1, um, which says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covet- covetousness, <laughs> which is idolatry. And Christina, you actually made a really good point the other day when we were kind of discussing this video. I had never thought about looking at something like another human, like kind of the comments that we saw and that being like coveting somebody, like wishing that you had that, that thing. It kind of goes hand in hand with what lust is. I mean, do you agree? Like these women are actually like, they want their husbands to look like this man, or they might even want this man, which is, you know, covet, coveting something, wanting what you don't have. Right. No, I definitely agree. When you are looking at someone and you're admiring something that they have and in relation to what we're talking about, of course, it's certain body parts, I guess, biceps or whatever. Right. You're admiring it. And of course, our human nature desires what we admire. And then, of course, it is. It breeds that kind of comparison mindset where Mm -hmm. we look at that hot actor and then we look back at our husband and even if it's unintentional we start to have this well you know hey you you should work out more honey because I kind of hope you start looking more like the other guy that I'm and that's wrong if we look at first Corinthians 620 or I'm sorry 618 um it says flee from sexual immorality Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, 
but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And this kind of, you know, this verse and, and the verse we read before that, and the verses we're going to continue to read, um, these verses aren't gender specific. You know, Paul doesn't say here, men, your body is a temple, or men put away sexual or, um, you know, sexual immorality. It's for everyone. It doesn't specify men versus women here. And so women can fall into these traps also. And, um, you know, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Your body makes up, you know, of course, your physical appearance, but it's also your mind, your emotions, your your thoughts, what the things that make you who you are as a person. And so how can we say that we are glorifying God with our body if our thoughts, the things that are inside of our body, are not holy? They're not pleasing to the Father. They're actually, you know, we're thinking about the sexual, immor- sexually immoral things, um, you know, that's not pleasing the Father with our body. Right. And like Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. So everything you just said was absolutely key. And we, as we honor and strive to honor the Father with our, with our bodies, like you mentioned, that includes our, our thoughts, what's going on right. in our minds. That's why, like Yeshua said, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Looking at those verses, looking, looking at the things, you know, we're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be like Christ. Um, and... You know, so adopting these things like saying that you can have a celebrity pass or, you know, I'm never going to interact with this person in real life, so it doesn't count. Those things are worldly. And, you know, we're told to put away the things of the world, the the sins of the flesh. I think lust is so, it's, it's one of those sins that, you know, you're involving another person, whether you are intending to or not. And I think that that's why it can be so damaging. And yes, I think that's one thing that's really overlooked, actually. So thank you for bringing that up, Krista. This whole idea that it's, well, it's, you know, it's just, I can admire him. I can say whatever I want about him or, you know, vice versa, you know, a guy about a gal. They'll never hear what I have to say. So it's it's no big deal. I'm not really lusting um, or whatever, you know, excuse we tell ourselves. But yet, whenever we are speaking about, thinking about, and like Krista, you mentioned, bringing another person into this whole mix, right. we are dishonoring that person. If that person was in the same room as you, take away that the barrier of the internet and posts and comments that they'll probably never see. But if that person right. was in the same room alongside you and with your family, your husband or your however... Would you say the same things? Would you voice the same thoughts that are going through your mind? 
it's about honoring the other person, right. regardless of whether they'll ever see your comment or know you, you know your name or you know anything like that. It does not matter. It's not about whether they'll see what you have to say. It's simply about honoring that other person before the Lord because the Lord sees. The Lord knows your heart and what's going through your mind. And if it is not something that glorifies him, then it's something that doesn't glorify him. It's as simple as that. Uh, And as Yeshua exemplified, when he came in the flesh, he exemplified loving, being a servant leader, being willing to wash feet, doing hard things. It was not fleshly or selfish um, motive at all, but that's what lust is. It is very Mm -hmm. fleshly. It is very self-focused. It is very focused on the outward appearance. That's why these women, they weren't commenting on, wow, you know, the actor who plays this character, he, you know, he's he, he knows the scripture so well, and he seems like he has a great relationship with the Father. That's so inspiring. I love watching the show or whatever, something right. like that. They were focusing on one thing, his body. And that's when lust plays a role. And some people think, well, lust must be like the, 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 the deepest version of lust, like, okay, you're looking at pornography, and that's what lust is only. But lust right. has various different shades. And one can lead you to the next, which leads to the next, which leads to the next. That's why certain pictures that are indecent can lead you to looking or someone you know to more indecent pictures to more until you're looking at full-blown pornography. But when you allow and you open up a door and you make excuses for certain things, they cause, like we were talking about earlier, distrust in a marriage, you don't glorify the Father with your thoughts, with your mind, where your mind is going. And you're also dishonoring that person. And even dishonoring who you are created to be, your identity in the Father. And oftentimes, like we've even been discussing, these things can be blind spots. We don't see what we don't see. I'm sure these women that made these comments do not see that their comments are inappropriate. Um, or that even are lusting after this actor. But that's one thing that the enemy can do, is he can kind of sneak things in. And, you know, as we, you know, maybe as we were starting to do this, we might get a check in our spirit, but his voice will come to mind. Ah, it's not a big problem. It's okay. And they'll never see it anyways. God doesn't mind, or... Did God really say? All of these thoughts can come to mind that, you know, we can start to accept and believe. It's not a big deal, right? If I, if I do this or if I watch this or if I, I make that comment or if I admire that person down the street or on this website or etc. We start to believe this. But that's what the enemy desires. Because when our focus is on all of these other things... It demands our time. It's like the story of a boy who had this pet, and he fed the pet every day. Now, I can change the gender. It's a girl who fed her pet every day. But as she fed this pet, the the pet became very controlling 
demanding more and more and more food, more time, until it consumed her entire time. And then in the end, grew so large and demanding it consumed even her. And that's what some of these sins can become. They look innocent. They look like this, that's not a big deal. Why are we talking about this? But they do start innocent and they can lead to something that we would never have desired or never have thought possible. If not in us and those who are watching us, in our children as they, as they model our behavior, as they copy what we're doing, but I just want to encourage and remind you that you are created for so much more than these distractions or these things that the enemy will bring up into our lives to have us spend our time. You were created and called with a beautiful and powerful purpose. And you have a powerful calling on your life to be a representative of the Father and His kingdom and His love to others. So I definitely, I agree with everything you've said. Um, was so authentic and beautiful um and you know you're right so looking forward how can we do better how can change happen in regards to lust in both men and women to me step one with how can we change and how can we do better um we need to look at lust as a sin issue as a heart issue as even an identity issue um, and not just for men, but for women too, you know, inc um, incorporating both what what women's roles in lust are and what men's roles in lust are. Um, yes, you know, men may be more visual creatures, um, but women, there are women who are visual creatures, but, you know, lust isn't just in the visual. Lust is in novels that are, you know, like erotic novels uh, that we read, that we get attached to, that we, you know, um, TV, where it's, you know, the kind of the kind of TV shows that are almost soft porn, where women are getting invested and emotionally attached to the character. Those kinds of things are going to take over women more than they are men. And so saying that lust is a one-sided sin more than the other side, it just, it isn't true. Um, and I think it, it does a lot of damage because then we leave women in the church, you know, we have women who are lusting and they don't even realize that they're lusting because we never talk about it. There's never a standard set for women. We tell women to be modest so that their brothers in Christ don't stumble. We tell women to treat their bodies, you know, as a temple, as a holy temple to God. We, we tell women to be meek and mild, but we never really teach women what lust looks like through the eyes of a woman and how it can sneak in. And so I'm just encouraging the church in general to teach purity and modesty to both men and women, um, you know, not for the sole purpose of not making someone stumble, but with the purpose of getting men and women to realize who they are in Christ, you know, teaching about our identity and what that means to the Father um, and understanding our worth, our worth as a person, our worth as a, as a son or a daughter, you know, of God and cleansing our hearts and our minds to be pure before him so we can serve him better. Not so we don't necessarily make our brother or sister stumble because, you know, I feel like that's, 
that's almost like victim blaming or, you know, playing the blame game. It has to start with the heart, because if you teach a man, if you teach a young boy who he is in, in Christ, you know, you teach him that he's going to grow up to be a leader, to be a warrior for the, for the father, to, to be a protector and a provider. Well, then you're teaching him the foundation of who he is and the rest of the stuff, the rest of the, you know, the tiny things like don't make your sister stumble, that will follow, that will fall into place if we can start approaching this as a heart issue, as an identity in Christ issue, rather than rather than an issue of, you know, you're doing this wrong. Does that make sense? Yes, I totally agree. And that is really the point, like I mentioned in the beginning. It all begins in the heart. It, it begins does. with our relationship with the Father, whether it be modesty, whether it be the purity and you know our minds and all of that. It begins with the heart because you can, in regards to modesty, be covered from head to toe, but your heart is full of pain, of right. shame, of anger, bitterness, of rebellion. And then your heart is at odds against God, even though technically on the outside, you're very modest. The same way, we can have the appearance of looking holy, of walking righteousness before the Father, but where is your heart? Where is your right. mind? That's when Yeshua talked about, you know, to the certain Pharisees, how they had washed the outside of the cup, but they had neglected the inside. And that's something that often in Christian culture, we can sometimes do. We want to make sure that we look good, that um, you know, our, we've dotted our I's and we've <laughs> done whatever we need to do to look like we are walking this out. And often our heart is in the right place. Right. But there's certain things that we'll maybe ignore or excuse or certain hidden sins for us women as well as for men. And that's what we're trying to talk about today that, you know, let's walk like Yeshua walked. Let's not make excuses for these things. And let's walk in the identity he has given us as sons and daughters of the king. Right. Because if you, if you teach, if you start off with teaching your young daughters, your young girls, if you start off with teaching them to be modest, but you don't ever tell them why, you don't ever tell them why we're being modest, then it's not going to stick. It's not going to make much sense. It's going to make it that much easier for them to rebel. And I know this because that's what I did. <laughs> um, but teaching modesty, teach your young women, teach your women to be modest because we love the Father and we want to honor and we want to glorify Him. Not teaching modesty because we don't want to stumble our brothers. That is that is important. But first and foremost, we are modest because we should be just as modest on the outside as we are on the inside. You know, wear skirts down to our ankles, but if our heart is ugly, then it doesn't really matter to, to God what you're wearing because your heart has to be modest and in place for Him first. Um, so yeah, really just going with lust, whether you're a man or a woman, modesty, whether you're a man or a woman, it all has to start in the heart. You have to know who you are in the eyes of the Father before anything else will change, before we can even focus on any other subject. You have to know your identity 
in Christ. Amen. And also along with that is as you realize and recognize your identity in Messiah, spend time with him. You know, that person that you love talking to, whether it be, uh, you know, a friend or maybe it's your spouse, you know, you love very much. What do you do? You, you spend time with them. You talk to them, right? Like mm-hmm. I just said, you make it a point to spend quality time with that person because that's how you build relationship. Some of us, you know, I've been there too. We struggle with that relationship with the father and we don't know why there's that emptiness that, you know, Hey, the enemy's opportunistic when there's emptiness, he's more than happy to fill it with anything else. But when there's that emptiness that we feel in our heart, it's kind of like if you have a cup that's empty, but you haven't gone to the water spout to fill it, go to the water spout, go to the Holy Spirit, go to the father. And it's simply as simple as prioritize that time, whatever that might look like for you, whether it be in the shower and that's the time that you can have your busy mother with children or go for a walk and you wake up in the morning, go for a walk out in nature and read scripture. Or I like to listen to my audio Bible. It's really great. Spend time in prayer. Talk to him. Get to know his heart. And when he fills you up, you don't desire these other things because you are already full. You're already fulfilled. You don't need these other shallow things, other distractions the enemy likes to bring along. Right. And, you know, start by a good place to start is going to God, um, you know, in your alone time, wherever you can fit that in and repenting before the Father um, of the places that you've allowed sin and lust um, to take control in your life. And when you repent, we know that we serve an awesome God who forgives us of our sins when we ask. So don't be controlled by guilt or shame. Um, you know, we are in spiritual warfare and we are supposed to die to ourselves daily and put on the armor of God. Um, you know, like scripture is a sword, like um, Jesus in the wilderness when Satan was coming up to him and, you know, miss, you know, twisting the scriptures. We have to have our sword ready. We have to know what scripture says. We have to know what lust looks like in the Bible. We have to know how God values our marriage and how we're supposed to be one with our husbands. And even if you're not married, you know, we have to know our identity in Christ. We have to know how much the Father loves us and wants us to honor Him both inwardly and outly. Totally agree. And like the example that you just gave, that it's so easy that our human nature, our sinful human nature, we always want to toss the blame to someone else. Um, We can go all the way back to Adam in the garden. So, you know, God is walking through the garden. He's like, okay, you know, Adam, Eve, where are you guys? You know, where are you? And okay, there they are. They're ashamed. They've covered themselves with leaves. And then what's the first thing that Adam says? She did it. It's not my fault. (laughs) It's that lady you gave me, God. So he basically blames God and the woman God gave, taking no responsibility at all. I'm just an innocent victim of this whole mess, God. It's her fault. But we do the same thing, don't we, sometimes? Oh, it was that person. If they hadn't been wearing that, whatever it might have been, I wouldn't have lusted. So shame on her because she made me sin. It's her fault. But what did Yeshua say in Matthew 5? 
And by the way, this goes vice versa. If it wasn't for him wearing that or not wearing whatever, it's his fault. What did Yeshua say in Matthew 5? He says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Mm -hmm. He places the responsibility on the person in sin. I'm going to say that again. Yeshua places the responsibility on the person in sin. Get your heart right with the Father. We all mess up, but don't put the blame on someone else. Go to the Father and say, God, you know what? I want to be clean. Wash me clean. I don't want this. I don't want this thought, these thoughts in my mind. I just want to honor you with my whole mind, my whole body, my soul, and everything. Right. And and we need accountability partners. You know, if you're somebody who is struggling with, you know, with lust, um, you know, man or woman, having an accountability partner, somebody to, you know, like if you're a man um, and you work out, you go to the gym, well, females and males typically aren't the most covered when they go to the gym. They're, they're typically wearing pretty revealing clothing. And so if you are struggling with lust, you're struggling with porn addiction, the gym is probably a place that you need to avoid for a while. But having an accountability partner, somebody who can, you know, maybe go to a different gym with you, um, check in with you once a week, you know, and James, confess your sins to your brother so you can be healed. That's what the body of Christ is, is here for. That's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to help you walk through the shame, through the guilt, and and bring you to that place of repentance and restoration in Jesus, because that is the that is the point of community, confessing your sins to your brother, so you can be healed, so he can help you walk towards the cross, towards Jesus, when you're struggling getting there yourself. Absolutely, and this also includes like what. Krista, you just mentioned identifying those things that are triggers in our lives, things that we know can cause temptation. Like, you know, you just mentioned if the gym with people wearing a lot of revealing clothing, or maybe it's the beach, you know, the beach can oh, be yeah. a, you know, a place that, yeah, at times. And it can be whatever trigger that you are aware of. You go to, go to the Father, ask Him to reveal anything that might be unclean in your life, in your home, on your TV, on your computer, whatever that might look like. But go to him and ask him to reveal that to you and show that to you and then get rid of it. You have to cut it off. No matter how innocent it might be, but if that is a trigger, it's like a, it could say like a gateway drug. Something that it seems innocent in the beginning, but its path leads to death if not in you, in those who watch you, in your family, in your children. Other triggers that can be in our lives also come from even past wounds, past experiences, maybe even abuse that we have experienced that still affects the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves and our own worth or lack of worth as we see. So also on that, first, again, the Father has created you perfect, beautiful, beloved. He loves you so much. He's given you a calling, a unique calling with your own unique 
talents, passions, and interests. But when there are those in our life, in our past, that have hurt us just in horrible, horrific ways, it can cause some very, very deep-seated wounds. So even in this, I would encourage you that there's those that you can go to as a mentor, those that can, are spiritually mature in the faith, that can speak into your life, and that can give you words of life, words of encouragement, that you don't have to stay where you were, that you don't have to live in captivity to shame, to pain. God desires you to walk in that healing and that restoration that can only come through Him. You know, we, we've talked about what lust is. We've talked about, you know, getting alone with the Father, realizing who we are in Christ. Um, I think we've even touched a little bit on, you know, looking at others through the eyes of Jesus. Um, you know, when you are struggling with lust, um, because it involves other people, you know, you are looking at other sons and daughters of the King. And so trying, waking up every day and praying, you know, God, help me see the world the way that you see it. Help me look at others through the eyes of the cross. Um, could be really helpful and it could be a, an, a prayer that we should, we should do daily, not just for lust, but just for compassion, for... <laughs> for patience, um, for gentleness, that, that, that is a prayer that all of us should be praying, you know, Father, help me see them through your eyes. Um, because they are daughters of a king, you know, they are sons and daughters of, of God. And that is something that we could all work on, I think. Amen. Thank you all for joining us on this video. We hope it blessed you and encouraged you. It's time as a body of Messiah, but also as women of God, to rise up, to desire holiness, to desire purity in our minds and our bodies, and to follow Yeshua with all of our being. If you find that you're struggling in this area in regards to lust, I just want to encourage you that your identity is not that sin. It's time to walk in freedom. I just want to say a prayer over you all as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come before you right now first to honor and to glorify your name. Father, I thank you for everyone who has tuned in to watch this video that your words have gone out, God. Father, cleanse us of anything unclean in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives that should not be there, Father. Guide us in your word, in your will, Father. Create a desire, a burning desire in our heart to love others like you love them, to see others through your heart and through your eyes, Father. Father, we desire to know you more. Father, we want to grow closer in relationship to you, God, because we cannot do this on our own. Help us in this area, Father. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your, your grace. Thank you for everything you've done in our lives and everything you will do, Father. Thank you for breaking every chain in Yeshua's name. Thank you for freedom in Yeshua's name. We love you and we honor you. Yeshua's name, Amen.